0: Y'all ready to rock? Awesome.
1: Hi, I'm Chris White, and I wrote and directed a coming-of-age music movie set in a world that while very real and important to me when I was a teenager, is more on a foreign planet or alternate universe to most people. This past year, we screened Electric Jesus, a comedy about a group of heavy metal missionaries in the summer of 1986, at dozens of film festivals across the United States. And we're just about to release the film everywhere. Audiences have bonded with the characters and the story But more than a few have asked questions about the music and the subculture that produced it. So, we thought it'd be fun to pull back the curtain and take you into a world of too small spandex pants, too much hairspray, and let's we forget, Bibles. Electric Jesus, the music behind the movie, is your VIP backstage pass into this crazy world. And in the immortal words of Skip Wick, our Christian rock huckster with feet of clay and a bad toupee.
2: Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition.
3: So hi, I'm John J. Thompson, host and producer of the True Tunes podcast and music supervisor and musical consultant for the film, Electric Jesus. And I'm happy along with my co-producer, Bruce A. Brown to present the special deep dive into the musical world of Electric Jesus. And over the course of these episodes, we'll be speaking with those responsible for the music in the film itself, the musicians and the songwriters and composers, as well as the cast and performers. But we're also gonna talk with several of the artists who were actually making Christian rock music back in. 1986 when this story takes place and can tell us what it was like in real life because actually this was a real world and i'm here with writer director chris white hello chris hi how you doing john hello prove that you're actually here (laughs) Mm -hmm. i am in this virtual studio with me and um Chris and I will be on this journey together. Uh Chris is actually going to take the wheel and uh and guide the the conversations. He is the uh creator of the Electric Jesus universe and we're going to jump right in here with a conversation. What's what's kind of your vision for this Electric Jesus podcast as we get going here?
1: Well, you know, one of the the hooks of the whole Electric Jesus movie, you know, the the elevator pitch, the pitch for the 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 reason for the film even being is this idea of setting it in a world that is very familiar to me um, but may not be as familiar to others. In fact, it may be very strange <laughs> to the point of uh, incredulity. Um, you know, I grew up in a, um, the culture that, that I would call evangelical Christian youth culture. That, that's kind of how I spent my teen years. And a big component, a big part of that world was Christian pop music, Christian rock music.
0: This has been an amazing talent show tonight. Check, check, check. Now, we got one more act for you. Where's Eric? But before we do that, we got a couple of announcements Eric! before we pack up and head home tomorrow. If you are on the blue bus on the way to camp, Eric! you're going to be on the red bus on the way home. Uh, it's only fair, okay? We need to take turns with the air-conditioned coach. Y'all ready to rock? Awesome. First though, if you are allergic to bees and were in cabin four when the attack happened on Thursday afternoon, you need to see the camp nurse tonight after the show. She's got calamine lotion and gator gum to keep you hydrated. Puppet team rehearsals start next Sunday night right before the special baptism service. Now, if you've ever been touched by a puppet, Do yourselves a favor. Get involved with this incredible ministry team. So who's ready to rock? I can't hear you. God can't hear you. Y'all dudes ready?
2: Waiting on you, Cat Daddy. You serious?
0: These guys like to call themselves 316. But you and I, we know them as Michael, Jamie, Cliff, and Scotty. Closing out this year's Camp Harmony Talent Show.
4: Three, six, two!
1: There's always been sexy stuff in pop music, even you know, back to the 50s. But so there was, yeah, there was sex, there was Madonna, you know, there were there was things that seemed uh, sinful and dangerous, there. But there was also like something in rock music, in particular, the sense that you know these guys making the rock and roll music were pretty much you know devotees of of the devil, and so it was there was a lot of danger around it, and a lot of this fueled um, some parents and youth ministers and you know even some of my peers into you know maybe we shouldn't be listening to this secular dangerous music and maybe wouldn't it be cool if there's a christian alternative so so that's the world and i just thought on this podcast we could we could step into it a little bit and and at least for those of you who think it sounds you know unbelievable at least maybe bring it um bring it to a place where you're like okay yeah i totally get it i kind of see what that was and um you know it kind of lays the groundwork for your experience maybe with the movie electric jesus After a couple of shows, our youth minister connected us to an old friend of his who managed Christian bands.
2: Well, folks, I work for a company in Chicago called Harvest Concert Ministries. We book concert tours for gospel groups, promote them, manage the bands. Now, I've been doing this for seven years now, and I have seen this industry absolutely explode. I see no reason that you boys can't be opening for Mylon or Steve Camp or who knows maybe even Striper by the time school starts back in the fall. I am here to steal you from your mamas and daddies for the summer. Take you out on the road, cut an album, see what happens. 316 on tour, all four members and a sound man. The rock and roll road show. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition.
3: In describing the movie as it's finished now and done, are you saying this is a Christian rock movie?
1: Well, I'm always careful to say that this isn't... uh, I mean, there's a very popular film genre, at least in the United States it's very popular, uh, called faith-based movies, which generally means Christian-themed, often evangelical movies. Sometimes these movies are also referred to as inspirational movies. Uh, movies and um so that is not what electric jesus is there is no um the film doesn't have an agenda to um convert somebody or to to tell a christian truth um in in a way that's to you know rally christians or something like that and again that's a that's an established genre that's uh very successful um but kind of like what christian rock music was in the 80s there was
3: yeah there were christians making rock music and then there was christian rock music that was really just there to de- to deliver a message and to create this and sustain this uh entertainment machine for christians and and there's a distinct difference between those two and this is not that kind of film this isn't uh, a film designed specifically for christians right
1: right right and and it's not that i don't think uh christians will Enjoy the movie and be entertained by it, um, and probably have some fondness and nostalgia, uh, some good feelings about it. But it's it's just not it's not specifically for Christian people. It's just it's kind of meant to be a, you know for everybody, or at least people who uh, grew up and fell in love and had their heart broken, and you know are you know, go back to it and think about it from time to time because that's what it's for.
3: So how do you describe it then? What 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 is the genre of this movie?
1: Uh, coming of age. It's coming of
3: age rock and roll comedy. And so what is coming of age? What is that? I, I mean, I, you, we hear that phrase all the time, but what does coming of age even mean?
1: Well, in the sense of uh, coming of age would be a movie where young people become more adult-like, right? I think in general, we understand that to be when a, when a child maybe loses a sense of innocence but gains uh, a, a wiser perspective or a more adult perspective and that covers you know the the john hughes movies of the 80s like the breakfast club would be coming of age but that it's a very popular genre now you know um i i think um you know one of my favorite coming of age movies a couple years ago was ladybird uh, Greta Gerwig's movie um, that was that was really about um, the coming of age. I guess in that story is about a young woman who's leaving home and going to college. You know, finishing high school and passing through that gateway to a life outside of the, the familiar world uh, that she grew up in. Frankly, it's just a topic we're all interested in. You know, we're we're interested in. You know, when we get to be old, like you you and I, we are we have a fondness for the things when we were younger and and as we watch our children grow we empathize with their journey and 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 see ourselves in them you know so this idea of coming of age is something that's very prevalent um in our society and it's been communicated artistically um for years y- years and generations so it's not so much that it's a new genre but it is a, it is it is a film that ultimately is about somebody f- Uh, Losing some innocence and finding some wisdom.
4: Do you have a girlfriend? No. Have you ever had a girlfriend?
1: Not so much.
4: Well, um. It, it's, it's probably better that way. Daddy says he misses Mama, but. He does better ministry as. A widower. And Jesus never had a girlfriend. Except maybe Mary Magdalene. They never did anything.
1: I have been asked, "Is it a musical?" Because there's so much music—music music created for it, music the characters sing. Um, I think I think it kind of is. I don't want to call it a musical because it's not a musical in the in the Broadway sense. But if you ever saw the movie Once, which is one of my favorite favorite music movies by John John Carney's movie Once. Um, I think that was a musical, you know, emotional moments were punctuated by characters singing. And that definitely happens in Electric Jesus. So it it gets right up to the edge of being a musical. And and maybe I'm more comfortable just saying it's a music movie. So, yeah, coming of age music, comedy, Uh, comedy, just because it's it's uh, it's got a light touch and it has some uh, pretty funny moments in it.
4: In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil we know are legion. Most hard rock music does not glorify God. On the radio, songs are played with lyrics like Gonna have me a white meat feast, living large as befits the beast. Disfertive scritch scratch, dropping that crotch crutch, looking for a slick lick. I ain't asking for much. But Paul tells us to be ready to thwart the influence of the devil wherever it shall rise. So, tonight, our young people will praise God through the hard rock of the 316 band. Let us pray.
1: It is a different approach to say, I'm going to kind of blast a message out there that I want, you know, my intention is that everybody hears it and on some level assents to it. It's kind of like when religious people come to your door, knock on your door, and they want to tell you things about their religion and want you to. I'm, I'm just always mystified by that. Like, I. I I don't know why I would have those kinds of conversations with you, a complete stranger. It just, maybe that's a, a cultural or a generational thing. Maybe that's something that was more popular back in the day at another time. But right, you know, I've always thought that was a little weird. So I wouldn't presume to have a religious or even christian conversation with you uh audience member i don't know because i don't know anything about you i don't know what you're going through in your life i don't know what your background is i don't you know one thing i always tell people is you know i'm operating in electric jesus i'm operating on my experience with a church youth group that was for the most part extremely positive very charming in, in a lot of ways lovely And so, when I step into that world, I already go into it with a a little bit of a, maybe a winsome look at it. Like, you know, it it wasn't, it was weird and it was a little strange, but um, it's actually not a bad way to grow up. You know, that's my take on it. So, I can go into it, uh, you know, I don't have an axe to grind, um, nor do I have something to prove to you, or nor do I have to convince you that what I experienced is true and and I need you to agree and assent to that. So it is a weird space. I think that's why the movie isn't uh, a Christian movie or a faith-based movie. I've often said that the movie isn't faith-based, but it is faith-laced in the sense that Christianity is taken seriously in the movie and people talk about it in a serious way but it's not the point of the movie <laughs> if, if you know maybe a film term that people like to use is the idea of the MacGuffin. the MacGuffin is the christian rock music in the movie the idea of the MacGuffin is like a thing that's the the shiny flashy thing that maybe you think the movie's about but it's not really about that you know maybe it's the hook that gets you into the movie um And so maybe that is a little bit of this. Consider how our generation consumed music um, in, 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 in a widespread way I mean the Walkman stereo where you could slip a plastic cassette into a tiny little thing that could fit you could clip on your belt and put headphones in your ears and you could experience music all by yourself wherever you were now Yes, of course, the 80s cliches, the big boombox and the loud blasting music. Yes, that was a part of it. Yes, going to the skating rink and everybody's listening. Yes, radio was huge, you know, driving in your car, or whatever. But I think we are really the first generation that really could have portable and in certain ways private music experiences just out and about in the world. And I do think that becomes, that becomes isolating. Um,
3: I think of so many of my... Formative experiences being really art-based. You know, their their songs, their concerts, their films that that shaped me. And I, I sometimes would look back and wonder, how in the world did anybody grow up without movies and rock and roll? It seems impossible. But I do think that that's one of the um, beautiful things I love about this story. Is that as we do lean hard into some memory and me- we use music to kind of re-enchant us and get us back into that place, uh, the whole story is is kind of a little bit of a a dream and it's it's a little bit fuzzy and it's a little bit uh, dishonest almost. <laughs> it's, that's the way our memories kind of are, and that's even the way our coming of age is. Like I I thought I was a lot more grown up than I was when I was 13, when I was 19, when I was 25, even when I was 30. I was like, I still had more coming of age to do and I know I, I still do now.
2: I use you all as a step letter, darling You know I'm only here for right to the top. Making it whole is the cream of the crop. I
3: got
2: ambitions, I'll set my sights. I just wanna see my name
1: music for me i know it is for you is a time machine it just takes the tiny snippet of a song and i am totally transported um to maybe a long ride in the car with our parents when you're a kid or uh, a teenage crush uh the birth of a child i i still mark the birth of my oldest daughter with the smashing pumpkin song 1979 because it was I was listening to that all the time when Gibson was born. You know, truly nothing can make your life flash before your eyes like music. Specifically, uh, I would say, the lost art of the mixtape. A mixtape used to be a way to, it was kind of, it, it wasn't always a love note, although it was frequently a love note. It was a way to communicate to this special person like, these are the feelings that I'm associating with you. Okay, so it can it was often a love note, but it's also like to to a friend a, a platonic friend that there's no romantic intention. It's just like we're solidifying our friendship by saying, "Listen to this," and then that person comes back to you with like, "Yes, and listen to this," and these exchange of tapes became something special. And that that You know, that changed into an exchange of CDs eventually. I can still remember even making CDs for my my kids. Here's a CD, you know, this is all the dad rock you need to know about right now. (laughs) That kind of thing. Or now, I guess now it's the Spotify playlist, right? So so I think that there's something very nostalgic about that. And if you've ever, have you ever gone back and found like an old mixtape or a mix CD?
3: Here's one right here.
1: In fact, this is
3: actually in the movie. These are tapes that we actually used as props. Yeah, that's right, So these were tapes I made off of WCRM, which was a Christian station in Chicago that from 9 to midnight played rock and alternative music like the 77s and U2 and stuff like that. It's funny, it says uh, tunes on one side and what else on the other side (laughs) and... I made tapes off the radio, you know, like I probably have 10 or 12 of them. And then I had a double cassette deck so I would kind of take Mm -hmm. the best songs and put them on keeper tapes. One of the scenes in the movie where Eric goes on this tirade about all these bands and he says, that's just what I carry with me. That's actually based on the fact that I carried hundreds of songs with me at all times.
1: love so the story goes but this time it's true Her With Electric Jesus, it's definitely a memory movie, and we um, we at least on this podcast, I I think what will be cool or what I'd like to accomplish with it is I would like to step into the process of how we made original music for the movie that is from the era, but also filtered through a memory, um, and what you know how that was created, but also talk about not only talk about songs that would have been important to our characters in this world as long as they were also important to us. the really delights of making the movie that I hadn't really anticipated I hadn't really thought of it you know when you're writing or even when you're shooting the film was the idea that I would have the opportunity because of the film to interact with some of these artists that I knew growing up and that has been really cool and really fun (laughs) to to talk to those people and really hear about what their experience compared to mine. I'm a fan, you know, I'm not a musician. I wasn't in a band. And, and I, I've told people, you know, the movie, you know, we, I think we do get some band details right, but it's not about getting those details. It's just, it's about seeing, watching it happen as a fan. Um, but it's been incredible to be able to interact with some of those people from that time and just say, you know, here's me as a kid in your audience. What was going on for you? And and I think that Christian rock music, which is a controversial topic, um, probably because the aims of Christian music are religious in nature, and that tends to make non-religious people irritated. (laughs) The idea that the music is doing this thing, um, I get that. I, I totally appreciate that. But I think by, I want us to be able to talk to some of the people that made some of that Christian rock music and just, because I mean, at the end of the day it was art making it was music making it was rock and roll and it always also was some Jesus in there too and I just I want to hear about them and how they were thinking I think that's yeah. fascinating to find out about that world and those artists
3: Well, there you have a bit of our brainstorm session for how this series will proceed. Since Chris and I had this little think tank, we have already conducted most of the interviews for this first season about the music behind the movie, Electric Jesus, including really great conversations with Daniel Smith.
2: I think it's a great record. It's, it's, it's all over the place. And, and I think right now, between now and when the the movie comes out, it, it's a slow burn, right? So, I mean, I think, I think people can have fun with it now and, and enjoy it on a certain level. I think once people see the film, I think they're gonna go back and enjoy it on, a, on a,
4: another level.
3: Res Band's Glenn Kaiser.
4: There are a lot of people that have gone shipwreck in their mm. faith, who went to Nashville nope. to make it, whether Christian scene, mainstream industry, whatever. There are a million people out there. What are you bringing to the table that's mm. so special?
3: Journalist, activist, and cultural anthropologist, Christy York Wooten.
2: A song can sweep you away. You are being sold. A song is selling you something. Whether that's a lie that you tell yourself, or whether it's a dream world that you aspire to that you may never get to in your real life, and
3: that's the appeal of the music. Heaven's Metal founder, Doug Van Pelt.
2: I think it could
0: be confusing for some of our audience to to. listening to this conversation and going, what, what is Christian wrong? Because it, it kind of doesn't exist anymore. The Christian scene that we knew in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and right after 2010, kind of slowly faded out of existence or out of the, out of the camera eye. But th- there was very much this scene. One explanation might be, well, maybe this was a move of God.
3: Dr. Leah Payne, who is an author and professor at Portland Seminary.
1: I was raised by Jesus' people. And my dad did not like what
2: became CCM music. And so he would not let us listen to it in the house when I was a kid.
1: Like I grew up on Larry Norman, second chapter of Acts, Keith Green. And then I just, I was a really big nerd. So I was huge into musical theater as a
4: child and as a young adult, which has almost nothing to do, but this is why I love Striper. The theatrical, like over the top gender bendy stuff is totally musical theater if you think about it.
3: Michael Rowe of the 77s. And
2: all of a sudden, I realized that, wow, this this is getting really serious. This has gone way beyond just an evangelistic tool. We are starting to get inside the fabric of people's lives and having an effect on choices they're making. And I realized that at that point, I needed to take what I was doing more seriously because I didn't want to play with people's lives. I wanted to feel like... You know, if I'm going to put a piece of art out there, I want it to have integrity and I want it to be something that someone can relate to and maybe it can help them.
3: And more. The Electric Jesus Podcast is produced by myself, John J. Thompson, and Bruce A. Brown for Gyroscope Productions and is intended for the private use of our listening audience. All of the music and film clips on this episode are protected by copyright law and are used by permission and, with the exception of previously copywritten materials, are the intellectual property of Blue Tape Records, LLC, and are protected by U.S. copyright law. For complete show notes, visit ejesuspodcast.com. For more information about The Electric Jesus Film, visit electricjesusfilm.com.